0: Where'd that guy go? <laughs> I was gonna ask who knew that guy in the lobby who was in there after Sunday school. Ben. 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 We lost Ben. Gotcha. All right. Just make. Does somebody know him? Just a stranger. Walk. Hot coffee'll do that on a cold day. Awesome. Well, good. Glad. Uh, King's kids, if you are in second grade on down, we have Miss Jerica teaching today. King's kids, second grade on down. All right. Do you have a helper? You do. Do you need two helpers? I'll, I'll sacrifice Raven for you. She got the Maddox clutch. You are not leaving my side. Now, The rest of you turn to the book of Job, the last chapter of Job. Job is the book in the Bible right before Psalms. Psalms is kind of the middle book in the Bible, so <coughs> Job, Psalms, Proverbs. We're going to be in the last chapter of Job for our Bible reading, Job chapter 42, But before that, you have a commercial.
1: I have a commercial. Commercial, go. Men's group is going to start a new book uh, recommended by a guy who's already done it called Every Man a Warrior. If you're interested, we have a sign-up sheet out front. If you're not sure about doing an actual Bible study with the guys, I'll do a short promo video next Sunday right before class in the room that the men meet in, because we've got a small computer in there and we can watch the video. And the date and time is up in the air. But it's close. It's close. Uh, Probably, probably be trying to get started here in a few weeks. We've got a few books already rounded up for fifteen dollars. So if you want to book for half price, see Eli. Who's Eli? Right there in the shirt that's camouflaged and looks like the rest of the pews. (laughs) (laughs) He blends in well. Camouflage pew shirt. It is. I need some. All right. So Job, Job 42. If you have any
0: more questions about the men's group, guys, see Kirsten or. Eli.
1: Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you will instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. And it came about after, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is, what is right as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you, for I will accept him, so that I may not do with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, went and did, as all the Lord Went and did as the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job.
0: As we have been exploring the idea of wisdom in the Bible over the last year, we have learned that throughout the Bible, The wisest response any human can ever have to God is to fear Him. The fear of the Lord is a common refrain in the Old and in the New Testament. But it's not the use of the word fear that we are used to. When we fear something, we run away. We withdraw. We step back. When the Bible talks about fearing God... It means to push in, draw closer, and love Him. To fear God properly is to acknowledge who He is and care about Him and make Him the focus of your life. So the fear of the Lord is a pretty important thing. The book of Job starts out by telling us in Job chapter 1, there was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Job is giving us what I'm calling a third lens, a third perspective on what it means to truly fear God. We've gotten a lot of the Proverbs perspective Last week, we looked over the book of Ecclesiastes and got the critics' perspective. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes both say, fear the Lord, fear God. We're very familiar with binocular vision. Job gives us a third lens, which is awkward because we see like this. Job, uh, if we think about the Bible, the books in the Bible just independently, independently, they are valid on their own. Independently, you've got got Proverbs, we've got Job, we've got Ecclesiastes, we have Song of Songs. Independently, we have all of those uh, lenses to understand God. But Job, go to the next slide. But Job does something different. He's not just, the book of Job is not just presenting another perspective. The book of Job is bringing together the perspective of Proverbs and the perspective of Ecclesiastes. Next slide. And it's not so much that it's adding another color lens to the grid as much as Job is being very transparent about what it looks like to fear God and it hurts. To fear God when you don't get all the answers. To fear God and it doesn't work out the way you planned. God's Wisdom does not ever completely make sense to us. And in the book of Job, he doesn't just smoothly coast between these two other perspectives. It's more like a seesaw. You ever been on a seesaw? Whoa! Uh, whoa. Your stomach goes up, your stomach goes down, your knees are never the same. It is a young man's game right there, the seesaw. And it is being uh, eradicated from parks across the nation for safety reasons. That, but it was so fun to shoot your little friend up into the air and, or jump off early and let your big friend crash to the ground. Right? Uh, and really, I want you to understand, that's what, that's what Job's life is, a seesaw it starts off in chapter in chapter 1 he's blameless, upright, fears God, turns away from evil like yes, he's living the book of Proverbs. It's working. Look everybody, if you live by the fear of the Lord in Proverbs, you do right, you turn away from evil. It's working. <clears throat> then he loses everything. Then his friends Try to talk about Proverbs. And it doesn't quite stick because they're accusing Job of doing, you must be sinning. And Job declares his righteousness. I'm not. I haven't done anything. It just doesn't make sense. That's Ecclesiastes. Bad things are happening to a righteous person. And then the book ends with God restoring everything to Job. But I'm telling you, that raises more questions than answers. What about his kids that all died? Well, he gets new kids. That doesn't replace the old kids. It's still a life of suffering and tragedy, and Job is in it. It is a seesaw. Here's a quick outline, so fill in these blanks. Chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, God starts this fight. And God said to the Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Job is laying low. (laughs) God is the one who starts this fight. Have you considered you my worst enemy? Have Have you ever spent some time thinking about Job, my servant? He just put Job in the crosshairs. He was not a target until God made him a target. God starts this thing. And by the way, Satan attacks God the whole time, not Job. Job feels the attacks. (coughs) Satan is questioning God's character, authority, and whether or not humans can even fear him the way they should. That's what Satan is attacking. Job is not fearing you for the right reasons. Job only wants the blessings. Job only wants the benefits. Job is only doing right so you will give him what is right. Job only serves you for the blessings. Played right into God's hand. Satan did. And God said, take it all. In stages, incrementally, We know the story. Satan takes away Job's family, Job's fortune, Job's wealth, and Job's health. It is a seesaw. God starts it all. And then in chapter 2, and in chapter 19, we see faith amid adversity or in the middle of adversity. Job declares in chapter 2, verse 9, his wife says, "Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die, Job." This is it. You, we've lost everything. It's over. Uh, by the way, Satan did not have to attack Job's wife. She she attacked Job herself. Sometimes God will use the people closest to you. Sometimes the people closest to you will be the hardest to endure. This is not a commentary on husbands and wives because husbands can do the same thing to their wife. This is not a gender thing. It's not a female thing. This is a human thing. The people who are closest to us can't always help us in our darkest hour. That's what God is for. That's what Jesus is for. And Job says to her in chapter 2, verse 10, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Then he says this, shall we not receive good from God and shall we not receive evil, good and bad? And the Bible says in all this, Job did not sin. Job says we take good from God, we take bad from God. We take blessings from God, we take curses from God. And you know what? He's God and Job did not sin. In chapter 19, he shows an amazing faith in a future resurrection. It's a, it's a seed of faith the bible hasn't developed the idea of full bodily eternal glorification resurrection yet and yet job says though god slay me yet will i trust him and though my flesh be destroyed yet with my eyes i will see god he has this amazing faith that god is going to take care of things and take care of him in the end that's huge so he has faith in the middle of his adversity And then we've got this huge chunk of God actually showing up to speak. In chapters 38, 39, 40, and 41, God shows up with questions without giving Job answers. Job and his friends have been having a long discussion before we get to chapter 38. They're calling each other windbags, unhelpful. They're accusing each other of wrong. It is not a pretty, it is not a coffee shop discussion. I mean, they're over a campfire and Job is scraping the boils that are oozing off of his body with broken pieces of pottery. When you're scrape actively scraping scabs to find relief, you know you're in a bad spot. And it, his his. Comforters are saying dude, you need to repent and confess you've done something unrighteous God is against you because you're a sinner and job is maintaining his integrity. I haven't Oh, how I wish there was a mediator between God and man. I wish I could have an audience with God Hmm God shows up Yes, now i'm gonna get all my questions answered not a one God i'm not gonna say he goes on a rampage But God goes on a tour of the world. Job, cinch up your robe like a man. We're about to get it on. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the mountains? Where were you when I brought forth the ocean? Where were you when I brought forth behemoth and Leviathan? Where were you? Where, where, where? Job, answer my, you answer my questions, boy. And our scripture reading this morning from Kirsten was Job's response. Essentially, he says, I misspoke. I repent. He acknowledges God is far above all of his problems. And his problems, his terrible problems, when you put them next to God, pretty insignificant. Are you willing to see your life as that small for the sake of making much of God? Job doesn't say his kids were insignificant. He doesn't say his health and his family were insignificant. But when you when you get a glimpse of who God is it really makes your life seem a lot smaller and we need that life is right here or, or maybe it's more like this it's right here and we just can't escape the constant pounding that we bring on ourselves or that other people bring into our lives our addictions our hurts our failures their betrayal their distrust we're just getting bombarded but it's all, it's all life right in our face and god is bigger than that Job had to see past his suffering to realize God is on the throne. I don't feel good. I don't feel right. I'm still suffering, but I repent and I lay my hand upon my mouth. I'm not complaining anymore. And then chapter 42, the epic conclusion is what without why. God just shows us what He is doing and He never tells us why. I have heard it in songs. I have heard it from really spiritual people. I have heard it from older people, younger people, but it's always suffering people. When I get to heaven, God will tell me why. No, He won't. You're going to get to heaven, and you're going to boss God around? He may. But is that the focus of heaven, for us to arrive and get all of our answers? No. The Bible I read, the focus of heaven is all attention, all eyes, all praise, all crowns, all hands, lifted, focused on Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God. (laughs) Forever. Forever. Ruling and reigning and rejoicing and wiping away every tear and doing our new eternal jobs with God forever. Exciting? On a cloud playing a harp? No! That's medieval rubbish. Little fat babies flying around? No! No. We, we, we have to do a lot of work to push the images and the assumptions that are not in the Bible, out of our minds. God is there. It is good. God shows us what is going down without answering all of the why questions. Purpose behind the book of Job. Here's the purpose. To explore the justice of God's treatment of the righteous. Is it true... That followers of God only love Him because of the benefits. Can anyone trust God while they are suffering? Is there ever an answer for suffering and death? I think the short answer is focus on God in the middle of whatever you're going through. You're being wildly blessed, rich compared to everybody else in this world. You better focus on God. You're going to become a materialistic, hedonistic, immoral Wretch. Wealth can ruin you. Just wish I'd win the lottery. It'll be gone in less than seven minutes. You will pre-spend that first check. Probably waste it. Why am I not rich? God can't trust you with it. Are you handling well what he's already given you now? Are you already wisely handling it? Investing, saving, helping others, giving. Are you already handling what you've got now with complete transparency? why I'm not rich. I'd be a fool. Anyone who focus o- focuses on suffering keeps coming back to suffering. and Anyone who focuses on suffering, anyone who just focuses on their suffering keeps bringing every circumstance in their life back to the suffering. Anyone who keeps complaining about their suffering is missing the point of the book of Job. So Job did for a long time till God confronted him. God confronts Job because that's how he wants to confront us. You are Job. Well, I'm not completely blameless. Granted. But in the blood of Jesus we are. You've confessed your sins to Jesus Christ. He's your Lord and Savior. You believe God resurrected him from the dead he is the only begotten son of god he died on the cross for your sins you believe the story of the gospel you're blameless put your big boy boots on because you're going to suffer you will suffer and job is showing us how maybe not how to suffer properly because he goes through a lot of emotions job is showing us how humans suffer in general People who aren't in the middle of your suffering are going to blame you. You did something. (laughs) You're going to maintain your righteousness sometimes. I didn't do anything. Or at least if I did, I don't remember it. God, forgive me. And the book of Job shows us, capture the vision of who God is so that he becomes greater in your life in the middle of your suffering. You mean he won't take away my suffering? No, no promise of that. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Message of the book. God's practice of blessing the righteous is not a hindrance to spiritual development. God's practice of blessing the righteous is not a hindrance to spiritual development. That's the central attack that Satan poses at the beginning of the book. Job only serves you for the blessings. If you remove the blessings, God, Job will curse you to your face. Circle the word blessing and circle the word righteous. Because we can reverse either of those words and end up with about four different sentences that would fit. Example, God's practice of cursing the righteous people is not a hindrance to spiritual development. Job shows that. Feels like he's being cursed by God and he maintains his integrity. And at the end of the book, God says about Job, he spoke what is true about me. Hey! He got a little chippy at a few points there. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? I mean, he's, not, these are not his best days He's, There's some angst There's some sadness But still God maintained Job did not speak what is false Spoke what is true for God So you can p- change that word blessing God's practice of cursing the righteous Is not a hindrance But if we change the word righteous God's practice of blessing The unrighteous Is not a hindrance To spiritual development as believers, we should be able to look out in the world, see that God is raining down common grace upon unbelievers, and they are flourishing. It shouldn't shake our faith. Because that's what God does sometimes. The Bible tells us He'll settle all things eventually, which means we don't see Why would God allow unbelievers, unrighteous, wicked people to live long lives? It's a test. He's going to weigh that against them. How did you use your life I gave you? Even though you didn't believe and I graced you, how are you going to use your life? So there are many ways we could bless. And let me change it one more way. God's practice of cursing the unrighteous is not a hindrance to spiritual development. Because a lot of people, I'm thinking of a pastor in particular, a megachurch pastor, who abandoned his faith because he read the Bible correctly, that God will curse the unrighteous, and he said he didn't want a God like that. Will God eventually unleash His wrath on those who have rejected Him? Yes, but that should not be a hindrance to the spiritual development of those who fear God. So that, that message can be tweaked several different ways. Some Christians are going to unravel in their faith when they finally grapple with the, f- the fact that there is a real... Hell and a separation from God forever. The Bible's frank about that. The Bible's clear about that. There is a price to be paid. The Bible also says Jesus Christ is paying that price. He paid that price on the cross to take your place. You don't have to suffer on your own. Accept Him, believe Him, repent, embrace Jesus Christ, fear God so much that you take the antidote. That's the right response, that you draw near. So there's the message, the purpose, the message of Job. And what surprises me the most about this book is you have so many stinking chapters of struggle and discussion and people who sound like they're right, but they're wrong. 42 pieces of paper here. In chapter 42... Is the only one that gives us some answers or semblance. How would you feel if this was your life unraveling, falling apart, and all you had was chapter 42? Would you be willing to look back on the mess and say, but God. This is all that Job's got. He's lost everything. Everything. He's alone. He is alone. His wife hasn't even died and he is alone. And the Bible says he did not speak wrong, he was blameless. And God, we know the story. We got chapter 1. Job doesn't have that. And we don't have any record that God ever explained himself. Doesn't have to. Doesn't need to. Job lays his hand on his mouth, and he's willing to to suffer and die. He's suffering out the rest of his life. You, You get that. When you get to the middle of chapter 42, Job has just repented. He's still in the ash heap. He's still got sores. He's still lost everything. And he's just sitting there with God. God is, that's it. It's all I've got. Is that enough for you? Your story might end there. And that needs to be enough. It needs to be enough that you believe who God is, that he's in charge, and you are not. That needs to be enough. That is a thin life. That, that, this right here is faith. Like a mustard seed. So small. So fragile. But it's enough to write your story. It's enough to write God is good. It's enough to write chapter 43. Eternity. Eternity. Eternity's gonna make everything you lost look like child's play. 41 chapters that don't make sense. So unfair. (laughs) Job, this is so unfair. So unfair. This guy didn't do anything wrong. It's so unfair. (laughs) That's the point. Wait, what? That's the point of the book of Job? Job? Life is unfair. Uh, Have you not lived a hot minute? It's kind of like what my body says is true. You're right, it's not fair. Those who worship God, follow God, their lives don't always have the storybook ending. And all these people who talk bad about God, why are they flourishing? Why are they living long? Why are they enjoying large families and wealth and prosperity? What's going on? Oh, the seesaw. Where have I seen that before? Oh, Job. There it is. So unfair. Yep. And the first thing that popped into my mind when I first typed this out was, who are you, old man? <laughs> who are you to question the potter? In Jeremiah 18, God instructs the prophet Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house and watch him make a pot. Jeremiah, I can do whatever I want, with whoever I want, however I want, with any nation I want. God is the potter. We are the clay. Romans chapter 9. Listen to this paraphrase of Romans 9. Who in the world do you think you are to second-guess God? Do you, for one moment, suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it, saying, why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a perfect right to shape one lump of clay into a vessel for holding flowers and another lump of clay into a pot for cooking beans? If God needs one style of pottery, especially designed to show his angry displeasure and another style of pottery carefully crafted to show his glorious goodness isn't he right god is in charge who are you to question so trust god no matter what trust god he's going to throw you on the pottery wheel no matter what shape he forms you into trust him No matter what ways he uses his tools to cut into your life, trust him. No matter how many times he crushes us, reshapes us, and starts over, trust him. No matter how hot the fire is in the kiln, trust him. No matter what color glaze he chooses for your life, streaks and paint, trust him. No matter who he places inside of you or who he places you inside of, Trust him. No matter what shelf he puts you on and what other pot you are next to, no matter what, trust him. He's the potter. You're the clay. Life is meant to focus us on God. Write that down. Trust him. Job's life was a test before we read about him. Life is meant to focus us on God. And all things can lead us back to God. So let me pump the brakes for just a second and get away from Job. You ready for a deep question? I need you to think about this. You don't, Do not answer out loud, please. No elbow throwing. No pointing. What do you think is unfair in your life? Think about that for a second. What do you think is unfair in your life? I'm looking at people who have fought cancer. I'm looking at people who have lost the support of spouses. I'm looking at people who've lost jobs. I'm looking at people who've lost grandkids, looking at people who've lost children. (sighs) What do you think is so unfair? You're going to have something. What? What is unfair? The family you've been born into. That might seem unfair. Unfair. Other people had a better start than I did. Other people had better families. Other people had better grandparents. This just doesn't seem fair. Maybe your workplace, this job is not fair. These people are not fair to me. They've changed my wages. They're not doing what they promised. Their expectations are unrealistic. It's not fair. Your state, your country, your world, the laws that surround us, are they all fair? No. Do you see fairness and injustice in the world? Yes. I see revenge. I see hate. Well, if you see that life is unfair, are you willing to stop thinking about yourself for a second and pray for others? And this, this is the final punch that the book of Job gives us. Life is unfair. Are you willing to stop thinking about your perspective and how unfair it is and take the unfairness that you would readily agree with is there in you and in the world. Are you willing to stop in your tracks and give a portion of your life to praying for other people? Where did that come from? Weep without accusing God when you suffer. That's a good example from Job. Weep without accusing God. Rejoice when you have pleasant things. Cherish people. Enjoy meals with others. I'm sounding like Ecclesiastes now. Laugh at the silliness and the wonders of life. God is a happy God trust him to work it all out in the end. This is this is the chill. Trust him. He will work it all out in the end. And here's the final punch that I get from Job is in chapter 42. If you have your Bible open, turn there. Job 42. I want you to see something. We read verses 1 through 9. Job repents in dust and ashes. In verse 6 and verse 7, God confronts the friends. That's significant. Job doesn't hear that. Job doesn't get that part of the story. He tells the friends to offer a sacrifice for their sins and have Job pray for them. God did not tell Job to pray for them. God told the friends, who are now his frenemies, right? Some comforters you are. Lousy comforters, he calls them. Some friends you are. He's like disenchanted with these guys. Like, I don't think he wants to talk to them anymore. God tells them to go to Job or he's going to kill them. How urgent would you be (laughs) to go get somebody to pray for you by name if God said, if you don't, you're, you're a dead man. Okay, I don't think they wasted very much time. And verse 10 is an amazing turning point. It says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job while he prayed or as he prayed. If your Bible doesn't say while, or as, then it has chosen the wrong tense for a Hebrew word which is active and present, while. While Job is praying, God starts turning the page. As Job is praying for his friends, God starts fixing everything that has come unraveled. The significance of that, I can't understate this enough, it should be the most important part of this book. This is the first time in the book of Job where he's focused on others instead of himself. He doesn't have a word. Can you imagine how hard it would be for those three friends to just humble themselves and to walk up to Job and be like, um, Job, your God has come to us and said, we need to make a sacrifice and you need to pray for us or he's going to kill us. Do you think they said anything else? I'm, I'm sorry. I was, we were wrong. How hard would that be? To humble yourself, admit you are wrong and go ask somebody else to pray for you. How hard... If you think that was hard, how hard is it for Job? These rascals, God hasn't told him. He's got to take their word that God has spoken to them and not him. You Did you guys forget the fight we just had? <laughs> you said I was sinning. You said I'd done something wrong. You said I was unrighteous. That's why God was punishing me. Do you, did you forget that conversation? Job doesn't give any lip. Job doesn't give any pushback. The Bible just says he did it. And as he prays, God changes things. Here's my summary of the statement for that. The unfair suffering of Job uniquely qualifies him To be a righteous intercessor for unrighteous people. The book of Job, he is called blameless, he is called my servant, he is an intercessor. And he suffers not for his own sins. But in his suffering, he gains the ability to pray for unrighteous people. Job is a picture of Jesus Christ. He's modeling for us what it means to truly be human. Even if you get it all right, you're going to suffer. You have to accept who God is on his terms and love him anyway. Love him and love others. That is not a New Testament teaching. It is Job. Job has to forgive those men and pray for those men. And it's when he accepts that role that God changes his life. That is a beautiful thing Job has to do this in the middle of his suffering is there something in your life that needs repair or restoration could it be that the freedom you know you need the freedom that you know you need is being withheld because God wants you to reach out to somebody else first Is there something in your life that you're feeling some tension over? And maybe the solution is serve others, give to others, pray for others. But God, I have these huge needs. I have these huge needs. I have these huge needs. I'm suffering. I'm hurting. So is Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. Hmm. Seems like in the middle of his suffering, Jesus took the time to think of others. What about you? Think of the circumstances of your life and where you are and ask yourself, God, who in the world do I really need to be focused on? Myself or others? My needs, their needs. Who is suffering around me that I've been completely blind to? My suffering, your suffering, can blind you to the needs that are right in front of your face. But because you're hurting, you've missed it. I'm I'm giving you permission this morning to forget about yourself for a hot minute and think about others more. And understand the reason you are suffering, it qualifies you to intercede for other suffering Christians and non-Christians. That's why we suffer. We suffer so we can identify with other people. God allows you to suffer so then you can pray intelligently for other people. God allows you to suffer because that humbles you, and now you can enter into other people's lives. You know what it feels like to be down and out. That's why we suffer. So we can Reach out to other people and reach them. Next blank. Last line in your outline. The book of Job tackles unfair suffering. But the story is really about a God who is waiting for his suffering people to trust him. Do you trust him? We do not have a promise that if we do trust Him, that He will turn everything for good. But we do have a promise that He is good. That is not a new lesson. That is not a new teaching. But the book of Job gives us a very unique perspective on suffering in the presence of God. Do you trust Him? Will you fear God and love others? Will you fear God... And do good? Will you fear God and keep drawing in instead of stopping every time you suffer and making it about you? Your suffering is not about you. Hate to pop your bubble. Your suffering is about others as well. God preparing you to have a heart of compassion and empathy and sympathy and care for other people. That is a big old pill to swallow. I want to make life about me and my needs and my stuff I sound like a toddler don't we all? we do stand with me and let's pray what a mess <clears throat> heavenly father as I look down on this mess of a life that Job had don't think mine's much better help us God help us to trust you when it doesn't make sense help us to trust you in the middle of our suffering and even our dying that we would be a people who see you at work behind the scenes and all things Help us to be a people who see other people as needy and hurting just as much as we are, as empty and struggling just as much as we do. Open our eyes to the people around us, God. Help us to be as generous and unflinchingly loyal even to our enemies as Job was to his friends. Even if they've hurt us, teach us to pray for them again. Even if they've let us down, teach us to forgive them as you have forgiven us. Teach us to love one another like Jesus loves us. A love and a care that goes beyond words, that goes beyond understanding. Thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here. Please be with those who wish they could be here but aren't. We lift them up to you and we say bring them back quickly. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in Your hands from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head down. I will see of the goodness of God.
1: All my life You have been faithful.
2: All my so so good, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God, I love your voice, you have led me through the fire, in darkest night. You are close like no other, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, I have lived in the goodness of God, all my life you have been faithful, and all my so good with every breath that i am able i will sing of the goodness of god my life laid down and surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me and all my goodness of God, I will sing of the goodness
0: of God. Our benediction is Psalm 13. Let me invite you to lunch afterwards. We're having lunch immediately following the service all the way at the end of the hall. Uh, and then after that, at about 1230, we're having our annual business meeting our membership meeting our members gathering where we we are are transparent with everything we've done in the last year with one another psalm 13 how long O lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me lord How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy save me, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.